Welcome back to In the Queue, film conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host, Andrew, and I think that our guest today, Aaron, has become the resident, quirky, coming-of-age, drama, dramedy, dramedy expert on our podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like he brings these uh, kinds of films to us more often than anybody else, and we thank him for it. Yeah, I think it's definitely been multiple times. Yeah, no question. Uh, I'm Phil, your other co-host, and uh, I would say that nearly every comedian working today is in today's movie, and (laughs) it's a real hoot because of that. It is indeed, and uh, the movie that we are talking about today, and that Aaron has suggested for us, is Kings of Summer. Your final was due a week ago. I mean, look at the board. School's over. We're playing hangman here tools out of the driveway now no who's this patrick kelly kelly a girl that's a pleasant surprise joe we'll call you back sometime before his hot new bedtime of 7 30. my house my rules it ends today yes it does joe my parents are killing me shirt today not the one with the pocket yeah whoa rope in the attitude mister this come is your on, mother buddy. you're speaking to come on huh huh who is he doing a show for girl check <laughs> checking for a girl in a bikini what could you be showing me in the woods right now this is the side of our new house man what like a tree house no like a real house no parents no one telling us what to do we make the rules hold on what is this kid doing here I'm afraid to tell him to leave. I don't know what he's capable of. There it is, Kings of Summer. That's uh, a piece of the trailer for you. And uh, it's a a comedy, uh, as I said, sort of a coming-of-age comedy. And we'll talk about the film in a minute. Uh, Say hi to everybody, Aaron, as long as we got you uh, on the line here. (laughs) Standing by. Yo. Uh, so before we get to talking about the film, I just want to tell you how you can find us on the web. You can go to our website at www.in-the-q, that's letterq.com. Uh, you can find everything that we post there. Uh, you can also go to our Facebook page, which is, uh, you can find by searching for In The Q, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil on Facebook. You can also find us on, uh, Twitter by searching for at ITQ Podcast, that's our handle on Twitter. You can engage us in conversation there. Or lastly, you can go to uh, iTunes or any of your friendly neighborhood podcast aggregating apps and search for In the Queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. We ask that you go out there and recommend films for us, much like Aaron has done today. And we will have you on the show to talk about the films. We love talking about films with our listeners. So uh, bring the suggestions and we'll have you on the show. Indeed. There it is. So, uh, Kings of Summer. Kings of Summer. This is uh, a film from uh, several years back uh, that was sort of overlooked, I think, upon its release. Uh, It's from 2013, directed by Jordan Vogt Roberts, and written by Chris Galletta. And uh, it's a coming-of-age story. Uh, Before we get into a brief summary of the film, uh, though you heard a, a fairly succinct version of that in the trailer... Uh, Aaron, tell us why you recommended this film for us. 
Yeah, well, uh, I didn't really know anything about it when I saw it, except that Nick Offerman was going to be in it, and that made me really happy. Uh, but yeah, it was another one of those movies where I just had passes, so I didn't really know what to expect, and I thought it was really fantastic. And then, of course, it didn't make any money. Did this movie play at your local art house theater, or was it at the multiplex yeah. mm-hmm. art house? It was art house, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which which theater? It was a uh, Frontenac. Oh, nice, nice. We're yeah. we're both from St. Louis, so uh, it's it's good to to know in my mind what theater you were in, because then I can picture it. <laughs> yeah, me too. How, yeah, how does, how you were there. In so. your, what does it look like in your mind, Andrew? Is there a big uh, blank screen and seats and? And an exit sign or two. Yeah, believe it or not, that's exactly yeah. what the theater looks like on the inside. Because they're the the three things that all theaters are legally required to have. <laughs> yes, it's true. Uh, yeah, so the Kings of Summer. Um, it is the tale of really three young men, but really one in particular by the name of Joe, who uh, decide that parents are a big hassle. Their lives are not what they want them to be. And in order to avoid the annoyances of the real world, um, or I guess the world that is forced upon them, you could argue that what what they go to is the real world, uh, they decide that they are going to live in the forest over the summer between their sophomore and their junior years in high school. Hijinks ensue. Uh, the third, or I, I guess Joe's best friend uh, is named Patrick. Uh, he figures pretty prominently into the story. And then there's a third character by the name of Biagio, who was in the trailer, uh, the one that they didn't know what he is capable of, uh, who uh, provides a great deal of the comic relief in this film, uh, along with all of the comedians that you mentioned, Phil. Right, yeah. Biagio kind of is in the class by himself, though. Biagio is... A unique character to say the least yeah um so yeah it's um it's it's a a coming of age story so it, it's the experience of the, the experiences that they have building their own house out of various different things trying to figure out how to find food how to feed themselves how to live alone in the forest and uh all of the growing up that they do as a result of that girls are involved mm-hmm. Jealousy is involved. Uh, scheming. What's that? What snakes? Yeah. <laughs> Boston Market's involved. Boston Market is involved. So it's it's a very. Uh, it may sound conventional in that sense, but I think that it has a very unique perspective that uh, not a lot of these types of films necessarily has. Well, it's interesting because it, yeah, it's like all good coming of age tales. It's about the the transition between childhood and adulthood and realizing what the world is, is how it's different from you originally thought it was. And in this case, the kids get to do that and they get to have that realization in a very mostly safe environment, except for maybe the snakes. But um, <laughs> yeah, they, it's kind of like a their treehouse is like a dry run for what it's like to be an adult. You know, this isn't a movie about a bunch of kids who, you know, literally to survive have to live on their own. These guys choose to live on their own and they're able to, to do so in, in relative comfort and still kind of learn life lessons at the same time. Sure, sure. 
Um, as we said, the cast is studded with many different luminaries of the modern comedic scene. Uh, you mm-hmm. probably all recognize. That's missing, all that's missing is David Cross, and then it would be like <laughs> a would be complete a, package. And Patton Oswalt. There was no Patton Oswalt in there. Yeah, um, somebody from Mr. Show. Although Marilyn Ricegoob is in it, I will that's say. That's true. That's true. Marilyn Ricegoob, who's great. Uh, you probably recognize the voices of Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally. Uh, Thomas Middleditch is in it. Kamel Nanjiani is in it. Um, Alison Brie. Alison Brie is in it, although I wouldn't call her a luminary of the <laughs> comedy scene. But <laughs> yes, uh, as, as a, a, a fine actress, she's in it. Um, Tony Hale. Tony Hale, yeah, yeah. Most of these are just brief cameos, not more than, you know, a couple of minutes on screen tops. Right. But uh, but they all do their part, and they all make make this a really interesting film, which raises the question, like, how did the director get all these folks to do this film? Uh, I have to... I just figured it was because they just knew each other, or they knew people who knew each other. Yeah, they have to be connected in, the like, the L.A. comedy scene, because these are all L.A. comedy people through and through. Yeah. So there had to be some kind of connect. Maybe they all hang out at the UCB or something like that. Yeah, or the In and Out Burger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are you are you adjusting well to life on the West Coast there, Phil? Yeah, I, I folks, I live on the West Coast now and I I live re- right by it in and out burger. It's pretty good. I like it. Uh, that's awesome. It's the one place that I've been to LA twice now and I've never been to In-N-Out Burger and it's very, it's a, it's a big hole in my experiences. There's, there's more than one. It's not just one place. In-N-Out Burger? Yeah. You know, I know there's a ton of them, but they're not here. They're not in New York. <laughs> like I can't go there unless I'm on the West Coast, which is almost never. So but just so you, you know, know, like there's. They're peppered all over the... They're in Arizona Thanks. now, too. Oh, I appreciate next time it. Oh. In, next time you're in the neighborhood, <laughs> if you if you come to California, you know, to say hi or whatever, like, we can go to the one right by my house. Oh, okay. Great. They uh, have a secret menu. So do most uh, chains of one form or another. The Shake Shack has a secret menu. There, I have bested you. Shake Shack. Wait that's, a second. That's like, my... You can't say that. McDonald's doesn't have a secret menu. Hardy's doesn't have a secret menu. Some of them do. I think Steak, Steak and Shake doesn't. has a secret menu. I can't. I don't think you can say most though. Like maybe uh, Shake Shack is an exception. But In and Out and anyway, okay, we've we've strayed. <laughs> we, we've strayed quite a long distance from what we were talking about here, which was the movie right. Kings of Summer. <laughs> part part of the reason we may have strayed is that, ladies and gentlemen. This is the third time we have tried to record this episode. <laughs> we have had immense technical difficulties that have kept the podcast from being on the air for the last couple of months with any kind of regularity. And oh, it's this so ep- good to come clean. Oh, no, I've, it feels good. It feels good. <laughs> but this this uh, episode was the one that we kept trying to record and it kept going horribly wrong. And basically, at this point, I'm just nodding. Yeah, 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 you're just sitting there. <laughs> no Aaron, input from Aaron. He's like, I've said Aaron's, all that I need to say. <laughs> Aaron's contribution to this podcast is mostly eye contact. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that helps you at home a lot, uh, listeners. <laughs> uh, 
We've um, been talking about Biagio and and the fact that the main character doesn't emote enough as Andrew would like and yes, on the yeah. same things. Well, let's go over it. those yeah, things. My argument is that he internalizes everything. And so that's yeah. why... But there's a difference between like a really good performance and a really not so good performance, and I think that he doesn't turn in that great a performance. That's all I'm saying. That's why we disagree. It's not just the not emoting enough; it's that his not emoting is not well acted, not emoting. Wait a second. His not emoting is not convincing enough. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. What's not, what's unconvincing about his not emoting? I just think that it's a it's a little it's a little. It's a little too cute by half. Like it's it seems like he's acting rather than just being very natural and uh mm. you know, just sort of he's letting it em- flow out of him. He's not employing the method here. No, but he <laughs> I mean, there aren't many actors who employ the method anymore. But uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just saying that I, I feel like our lead actor in this film, uh the young man who plays Joe in the film, um mm-hmm. his name is Nick Robinson. And I, I think he does he does a fine job. I mean, he, he, he does the job that the film calls for, but he doesn't transcend. And maybe part of the reason that I'm critical of him is that Moises Arias, who plays Biagio in this film, does feel so natural and so otherworldly mm-hmm. without any effort at all. That it just like it's like Biagio is one of the strangest characters that I've ever seen on film that I just instantly loved and mm-hmm. was on the side of and and just throughout the film he just continued to surprise me with his weirdness and it was joyous. I just wonder. I, go ahead, Aaron. I've been talking I was too just, much. Yeah, I was just. I don't. Maybe because Joe's just the negative character. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't pick up on what any of the stuff that you're saying about the way well, I think that I, th- I think the reason why that actor Nick Robinson is in this movie is because he's the Joe that the director envisioned like he's sure. he's Joe he's, he's the right person for the role it's almost like the three guys Joe Patrick and Gaggio um, how could I forget um, they're all three of those guys. They're the the trifecta that holds the movie together. I mean, most of the other characters are 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 comedians who just come and go in a matter of minutes. But those three guys are like they're the team. So maybe when the filmmakers realized that they had their Biagio, having their Joe was not as crucial. Having the Joe that would carry the film was not as important as having the three of them to carry the film. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. I I can see that and I can understand that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um and and keep in mind that I'm not saying that he was terrible or anything like that by any stretch of the imagination. Um I just he was my least favorite of the performances in the film. That's all. <laughs> and he many happened to be the lead, which you know, is unfortunate, but is what it is. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I, this is not like one of Aaron's other suggestions, which was perks of being a wallflower, which is like a heartrending film. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's very stirring and, and very kind of emotional. And 
this film is more smug in its tone. And it's not just Joe that makes it smug. It's the nonstop parade of comedians who come in and out of the scenes. Well, yeah, and they all kind of exist in this kind of like weird, detached, post-ironic kind of, (laughs) you know, uh, area. But it's hilarious. I mean, it's so good every time. There's only one scene that I can really think of that, and it's been a while since I saw this film, but there's one scene where... Joe and Patrick are sleeping in their respective beds in their treehouse, mm-hmm. and the girl that's kind of completing their love triangle walks in, and uh, Joe wants her to get in his bed, but instead she gets into Patrick's bed, and the camera rests on Joe's expression as he's just got his eyes wide open in the, in the dark, and it's the kind of scene that like I kind of think they were playing it for laughs. I think it was staged for laughs. But it does have some melancholy to it, too. And that was the only scene that I kind of felt was straddling that line between funny and tragic. And yeah, yeah. And it, I felt like Joe's expression uh, wasn't quite funny enough and it wasn't quite tragic enough to make that scene work. But that's the only scene, though, that, that I can call up in my mind to relate to what you're with the point that you're making, Andrew. Yeah, you were gonna say something. Here. Yeah, I just I didn't I didn't think that I didn't personally think the scene was meant to be funny. Yeah, I didn't really read it as funny either. And but it's I, it's interesting that you bring up that scene because that is a scene that I remember thinking, oh, this is supposed to be just a heartrending moment in this film, and I was. I felt kind of indifferent to it. And I think it has something to do with what you're saying, Phil, is that he, he just didn't seem. And again, I mean, this is clearly a film that's open to interpretation to some degree, because Aaron, you're saying that the character is not meant to emote a lot. And that's kind of his thing. Right. And so in a scene like that, then he wouldn't emote. Correct. Right. So it's hard to, I mean, I could I could just relate to how he reacted to everything. Right, right. Yeah, that's how I tend to do things. So, sure. I don't know, maybe, and so maybe that's part of it. Well, yeah, but even if you internalize something, if you're in a film, though, the film still has to make sense to the viewer. We still have to kind of be part of that process. We have to be in on the experience that the main character is having. So... In that sense, I can see what Andrew's criticism is, but at the same time, you can also justify it by saying Joe is a character who does not emotionally commit to very much in his life. Therefore, he doesn't even emotionally commit to the parts of his life that are upsetting to him. Yeah. 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 But I, I mean, mean, I could, but I can sort of see. I mean, at, both. At, I mean, at that point, I mean, that's that was a pretty massive moment in this kid's life and uh yeah i just i could ju- i mean you know it could just be wrecking him on the inside and that's just mm-hmm. you don't see it on the outside sure sure yeah. this is like getting into a larger discussion about <laughs> reading emotions and empathy empathizing with people you see in films yeah and well i I mean, I think it's also a conversation, which is the conversation that we're having, which is, you know, uh, is the performance conveying the emotion that is necessary to be conveyed? And 
it's a subjective thing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this is not something that where I can say, no, I am correct, and Aaron, you are <laughs> incorrect. It's more that you experienced it differently than I did, Aaron, and that's fine. That's great. It worked for you in a way that it didn't work for me. Um, and it's not to say that it ruined my enjoyment of the film. I still enjoyed this film a great deal. Uh, it just, that that's just one of the criticisms that I have. That's all. <laughs> but I know one thing that all three of us can agree on. Biagio. Yep. <laughs> and the shaving scene. Oh my goodness. The shaving scene. So great. <laughs> There's a scene in the film where Biagio goes to ask his father for advice, and he's, <laughs> Biagio speaks in Spanish, and we never actually see his father. We just see kind of his half profile where he's shaving. and Never see his while face. Bia- Biagio asks him questions in Spanish, but the father responds in English for some reason. <laughs> and uh, it's a subtitled scene, of course, but uh, it's... And it's played with dead sincerity in like a really strange deadpan way that, you know, it's almost like a scene from, I don't know, like a, like the Godfather or something, (laughs) you know, it it feels like it has that level of portent. Uh, Yeah. And it's, and it's funny for that reason. It is. It is. It's one of many scenes. And most of these seem to involve Biagio in the film that I think are played fairly deftly for laughs. Uh, while still maintaining a really bizarre kind of genuineness. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean the scene with the snake, uh, towards the end of the film is a perfect example of that. I mean, it's just, it's bonkers, but it's also, it's also spot on, you know? Mm hmm. Well, I think that actor, Moises Arias has a really good sense of what's funny and, 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 you know, committing to, his character and and understanding that if he if he knows himself well enough he knows that if i pour my heart and soul into every word that i say people will laugh and that's what he does and yeah. we do it's true yeah <clears throat> and timing comedic timing is yeah mm-hmm. and that's something that's hard to find in you know teenagers uh yeah. it, you kind of have to naturally have it <laughs> Uh, or have honed it teach at it. a very young age. It's hard to teach. I mean, it can be taught, but it's hard to teach. And certainly at that age, it's hard for someone to just simply have that ability. Uh, but he has it, and he does a great job in this film. No question. And he hasn't really had a high-profile role since this film, has he? Yeah, he, he, he strikes me. I mean, he's a tiny little dude. Um, if you look at all the photos, like the publicity photos and everything from this film, he's a really small guy, which isn't a detriment necessarily except in the world of Hollywood where (laughs) looks are everything. And I think that the right director has to know how to use a talent like his. And uh, so they have to have somebody who sees this film and says, Oh my God, this guy's the guy that I need for X, Y, Z. And I can have no one else. Um, Well, well, I mean, Biagio or the actor playing him was his rise. He, he behaves and acts like a leading man, but he looks like the comic relief. Yeah. So h- how do you cast that in a major Hollywood film? It doesn't it's happen tough. very often. It's no. tough. It has to be like Indiana Jones or something. 
Yeah. 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 Which, fuck that shit. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, are, are, are you not looking forward to the next installment of the oh, Indiana Jesus. Jones franchise? Uh, what a strange thing that they're continuing to do. Oh, man. Why? That's, my, that's my only question. Well, okay. At least we have Tintin. That'll be good. Hopefully. Fingers I mean, crossed. The first one was amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. So Is Moises Arias in Tintin? No, no. We're just oh. talking about adventures of globe-trotting, sort of, you know, charmers like Harrison Ford and <laughs> Tintin, Harrison Ford and T- Indiana Jones and Tintin. <laughs> you know, gotcha. the fictional character Harrison Ford. I'm sure you're aware. Yes, I've read the comic books. <laughs> he, he was in Bruno. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, the fictional Harrison Ford. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, Kings of Summer, I think, is a fun film. I think that it's worth watching. I think it's kind of a little gem of uh, an indie film that not many people got the chance to see. Since seeing this, I've talked to a few people, and uh, it's come up casually in conversation, and they're like, oh, my God, that's one of my favorite movies. Oh, my God, that's such a good movie. So I think the people who do see it tend to like it. So maybe you'll be one of those people, listeners. Yeah, I also have had recommendations from people that I know about this movie, too. Somebody else wanted to actually be on our show to talk about yeah, it. But yeah, yeah. Aaron uh, got dibs ahead of time, so... Snipe. We went with Aaron. <laughs> Snipe. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those, like, kind of comedies that people... I remember being in high school, and people would discover all these, like, low-budget indie films yeah. because of the local video store. Yeah. Which is a thing of the past now, but like people would be browsing around. Imagine this, millennials. There was actually once a place where you could <laughs> walk to and look at different movie box covers and decide, hmm, maybe this is a film I want to see. And then you would rent it for a couple bucks and then bring it back. And you could actually get exposed to a lot of movies that way. It's true. So I think I feel like that's what this is the kind of movie that I would have watched in high school after finding it at the local video store. And Maybe that's one small thing that we can do with this podcast is just to kind of help spread the word to people about cool movies to see. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think this is one of them. Aaron, uh, I think we know your take on it, but uh, give us your your final two cents. You should see it. (laughs) That's that's the extent of it? Go see this movie. Oh, great. Film for theater. (laughs) Movie film film for for theater. theater? Uh, yeah, that's a little, little, uh, uh, Borat reference there. Oh, uh, gotcha. uh, yeah. yeah so, it's fantastic. Go, go see it. Yeah, definitely check it out. Um, that is our podcast for, uh, the film, the Kings of summer. Uh, it's readily available out there in the world. You can catch it on Amazon. That's how I caught it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, I think we all give it a good recommendation. So check it out. Also, please join us for our next episode when we will be talking about the new film Moonlight that is getting a lot of Oscar buzz, and it should be a really fun movie to talk about, I anticipate. So join us for that, and we will catch you next time. See you then.